0: You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by SolarEdge. SolarEdge lets you drive your electric vehicle on solar power with the world's first two-in-one EV charging solar inverter. Run your EV on sunshine with SolarEdge.
1: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the editor and founder of The Driven, and I'm also the editor of Renew Economy. So, on these podcasts we've heard about electric cars, we've heard about electric trucks, we've heard about electric motorbikes, we've heard about electric um, rubbish makers and electric planes and what have you. Um, this time we're going to solar cars and uh, today uh, we're going to hear a story about the um, how to get across the Australia in, by, by solar car with two of the people involved in the University of New South Wales team which has been competing in the World Solar Challenge which uh, did the 3,000 kilometre trek from Darwin to um, Adelaide and um, it's my pleasure to... Um, Welcome uh, Matthew Houlihan, he's a final fourth year mechanical engineering student and uh, the project manager with Sunswift. Um, thanks for joining us, Matthew.
2: Thank you for having me here.
1: And also to Jed uh, Crookshank, he's a uh, first year engineering student who actually drove um, Violet um, across the finishing line in Adelaide. is that right, Jed? Uh, that's correct, yeah well thanks very much for joining us um, jed um well no, let's start with you matthew actually you're the project manager how, how, how did you get involved in this uh in, in this thing
2: yeah so basically um when I first started university I saw the project during an open day um, and it caught my attention um and ever since then i've really been involved with the project um, I didn't start off as the project manager um I started just designing the the battery structures for violet um then one thing led to another and I, Ended up uh, le- leading the group, which has uh, been a great honor and a great privilege.
1: It's fantastic, and, and you're actually leading a team of about twenty three people. I understand.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we're all undergraduate students, um, which does, and we're all volunteers, which does give a uh, very um, unique uh, management challenges. Um, but but it's been really fun, and everyone really enjoys it. Um, at the end of my, the day, at the end of the day, sorry, my role is really just to. Uh, give everyone in the team the tools they need to succeed. Um, so I'm not really a, a manager in the traditional sense, I sort of just facilitate what they need and make sure they have what they need to get the job done, really. I like the
1: description of 23 undergraduates being a unique ma- management challenge, but um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the. Um, the um now, now the the car is called Violet and last year before we get onto the World Solar Challenge this time last year I think it won a record as becoming the most efficient car in the world because it managed to um, travel uh, on average 100 kilometers at a rate of just like th- just over three kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers is that right.
2: Um, that is correct. Uh, technically, the record is the most efficient electric car to cross Australia from Perth to Sydney. Um, I don't know if we're the most efficient car in the world, but I wouldn't be surprised given um, how little energy we use. Uh, to put it in perspective, I think a Tesla car uses about uh, 20 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometres. So uh, we're definitely uh, on the low end of the spectrum
1: and how does it do this because it's a funny we'll put a picture up um, with with the podcast of the car so this is a car that actually sits in the cruiser class of the World Solar Challenge so you actually got to have two people in it you're not actually just trying to cram the smallest person in the group into the tiniest space with the lightest car you actually sort of um, thinking about this solar car as a form of transport which could be you know credible sometime in the future
2: yeah like the basic goal is to carry as many people um, as comfortably as possible um, across the country. And so it is also not just about cramming, like you said, cramming people into the car. It's also how many people you can carry and that those people are comfortable. Um, and that was sort of the goal with Violet was making, you know, a car that people would actually want to drive and is actually comfortable and practical and easy to use. Um, Mm. And the way it sort of achieves that efficiency is it's just a lot lighter than a normal car and it's only about 500 kilos, which is about half to, you know, a third of a, a normal car um, and has a very low rolling resistance as well and very, very good aerodynamic efficiency as well.
1: Jed, you've actually been driving this car. Um, tell me, I think you crossed the finishing line. Um, for um, Did you drive it a long way from Darwin to Adelaide or the whole way or just part of the way?
0: Yeah, so um, we had two primary drivers for the trip and then two backup drivers as well. And we did actually get at various stages all four drivers in the car. Um, But uh, every day in the trip, I did have at least one stint um, in the car, usually between two and four hours, um, much longer than that. And you start to get um, pretty fatigued. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, I was um, fortunate enough to be uh, driving across the finish line as well.
1: Fantastic. So, so what's it like? Give us some insight into what it's like to drive a um, solar car. Is it any different from driving another electric car or is it any different from um, driving any other car?
0: Uh, well, I actually can't compare it to uh, another electric car as I've never driven another electric car. Um, but it's definitely nothing like driving, driving a conventional road car. Um, Because we uh, have built a really light car, it doesn't have power steering, Uh, it's just a direct rack and pinion system. Um, And that means that you have to work quite hard to keep the car going in a straight line at speed. Uh, It takes um, constant small adjustments to um, keep the car going straight. Um, And also the car gets blown around a lot by wind because it's so light. So when we have road trains coming in the other direction, you tend to get the car moving around a lot in the lane Uh, and also if you have any crosswind then you put a lot of energy into um, keeping the car on the road
1: and keeping the lane position of the car as it wanders in the crosswind. Yeah, indeed, I think during the Road Solid Challenge, two of the other competitors actually got blown off, um, blown off course by the wind. Um, I think one of them might have flipped, and um, I think two of them had to retire, at least, um, at least temporarily, and I think maybe at least one of them permanently. Did you uh, did you come across any such gusts? That made you feel fear for the safety of the car?
0: Um, I was pretty confident in the the construction of the car. Um, you know that allows me to uh, really keep on the road. Most of the cars that drove off due to wind were. Challenger class so they're a lot lighter and even more susceptible to wind than we are. Um, There was one road train that went past us pretty quickly and uh, it had a a string of caravans travelling behind it and when you go past a road train the initial shockwave pushes you away towards the um, left-hand side of the road Um, and then once it's gone past you um, the vacuum behind it sucks you in towards the centre of the road and if there's cars traveling behind the road train it tends to suck you in towards the
1: oncoming traffic so that's a, a little scary but um, oh dear. yeah yeah so when, when you're driving this um, car because i'm um, part of this idea is efficiency and trying to get the maximum diff- um, distance i suppose um, during the day with your charge now you're allowed to charge up at night to a certain extent and then you're kind of relying on recharging through the day with the solar cells so tell me how you're thinking about this as you're driving along
0: um, I don't have to do too much of that thought driving the solar car. My main job is to um, focus on Keep the on positioning the of the car, Yeah, but we do have um, the rest of the fleet. Uh, the car directly behind the solar car is our chase car um, and they, they're working constantly on strategy. They have telemetry running from the car, um, so they're looking at all of the vitals and they're constantly working out how much energy we're using, how much energy we're making, Um, how far we have to get based on the time limits, how much energy we can get when we get there, and using all of that information to calculate the speed that we're going to set so that we can be as fast and efficient as
1: possible. And it's your job then to actually sort of control that speed and do whatever it is that they're requesting you to do? Yes, exactly. Okay. And, um, I mean, I guess um, it's... um, I presume it's a bit like other electric cars in the sense that, I mean, if it's battery driven, then it's just basically going to have an accelerator and a brake. And um, I guess you get, I don't know how much torque you would get, but you'd probably get instant torque because it is a battery. Is that that the sense?
0: Uh, Well, being a solar car um, and the way our motors are designed, it has very, very little energy draw once it's up to speed. Um, The disadvantage of that is that the motor wiring configuration gives us very little instantaneous torque. Um, so if we start on a gradient of uh, probably more than about 7 to 10 degrees, then we do need a push to um, get going. Um, once the car's actually stopped, it it's uh, not particularly good at getting going again.
1: Oh, Okay, fair enough. Matthew, back to you. Um, as project manager, I guess you're part of the team, sort of giving the instructions to Jed and the other drivers. Um, so tell me how you're thinking about it then. Um, give give the listeners some sort of um, insight into what you're trying to do. You're you're charging up at night time. You've got X amount of power in the batteries, maybe you've got them full. And then as you're going along the road, you're trying to recharge as much as you can with the solar cells. Can you give us an insight into to what's happening there?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, I was driving the Chase car, which is the car directly behind Solar Car, and it, it's, it's exactly as Jed described. Um, so we take some of the information from Solar Car and we have models on how we predict the car will perform under certain conditions, um, given the parameters that the car has. So, like the coefficient of rolling resistance, the coefficient of air resistance. Um, and we can use that to estimate how much energy we'll use traveling at a certain speed. Um, We then have some software that we use that uh basically iterates over a certain time and calculates, okay, if you're using this much energy, you should travel at this speed in order to reach this point by this time. Um and then once we have that information, we give that to the solar car driver and basically say solar car set speed, I don't know, 76 kilometers an hour, for example. Um and then we'll we'll drive at that speed until such a time where maybe that changes, like if we get more solar output, we'll drive a bit faster. Um, if we have a bit less solar output or maybe we have a headwind on the car, then we might reduce that speed slightly. Um,
1: mm. Yeah. So what sort of range have you got and, and how much actually recharging takes place with the number of solar? In fact, maybe give us an idea about how many solar panels and um, what sort of capacity you have um, or potential you have to, 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 to charge as you're going along.
2: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So basically we have five square meters of solar array. That's about 21 to 21.5% efficient. That gives us about one kilowatt of power um, to use on the solar car. Um, To put that in perspective, that's probably like a third to a fifth the size of what you might have on a residential house um, in terms of just power capacity. Um, And... uh, with that amount of power, we could probably drive at about 50 kilometers an hour and be energy neutral, i.e. we're using power just from the array. Um, above that, we also have to hmm. use power from the battery pack. So at the speeds we're driving on the race, we're probably using about um, maybe 30% of our energy, 30 to 40% of our energy came from the array and the other 60 to 70% came from the battery. Um, and so the array charges the battery, and then the battery powers the motors um, just because the battery can supply the, the voltage required. Um,
1: right, right, right.
2: And in terms of range, um, obviously, it depends what speed you do, but it's between about 1,200 to maybe 1,500, depending on how fast you go in a, in a day.
1: That's extraordinary, and, and, and is that what you guys were doing? I, I suppose you must have been doing um, to get from sort of Darwin to Adelaide in the time involved. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think our average speed for the entire race was just under 80 kilometres an hour. Um, And the biggest leg we had to do without charging was 1,200 Ks, which was done over two days. So that was from Tennant Creek to Cooper P for anyone who has the map up.
1: Right, Tennant Creek to Cooper P. So when you say you're doing it without charging, what does that mean? It means you've charged up in Tennant Creek and you're going over two days and you're basically then just relying on what's in the battery, and what you can gather from the solar cells
2: exactly so over the whole trip from darwin to adelaide we were only allowed to charge twice um one of which was in tanner creek and one of which was in cooper pd um, and we we're only allowed to charge from the grid between sunset and 11 pm outside of that we're not allowed to charge so we sort of had a very little time window i guess to charge our car so a lot of it did come from solar
1: Wow and in that um, second day of that sort of um, the longest trip there how, how how close were you coming to sort of thinking oh, are we going to make it or not and um, can't we have please find a downhill a long downhill run here?
2: <laughs> yeah I, I was definitely uh, nibbling the nails as we uh, came into Um We at the end of the day we did make it pretty comfortably though I think uh, our battery voltage could go down to about 100 and I think we we're sitting at about 110. Um, we were starting to um, get into sort of the knee region of the discharge curve. Um, basically, what that means is, with batteries, uh, the amount of energy you get isn't isn't linear. It actually uh, um, starts to decrease rapidly towards the end. Um, and so uh, we were sort of in a region where we didn't know how much charge we had left. We know we had an amount, but we weren't sure how much. So, well, it was a bit nerve wracking. But we we made it in time with a um, like just in time. If we'd been another minute late, it could have been different. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was very close.
1: <laughs> It kind of reminds me of the solar impulse plane. I don't remember. Don't know if you remember that going around the world a couple of years ago, and um, it was just basically charging its uh, battery. It did a five or six or even seven-day trip, I think, across the Pacific Ocean, basically charging its batteries with the solar panels on its sort of enormous um, wings during the day and getting as much elevation as it could during the day and that, in the evening. Of course, the sun wasn't shining anymore, so it was just draining its batteries. It will just gradually descend, descend, and I think sort of about when it got to right at the end end of the night just before the sun came up it was sort of um, reasonably touch and go because the uh, the altitude was getting low and the batteries were getting low so um it must have been a bit like that at some stage
2: yeah i did read some articles about that plane an absolutely incredible journey um and kudos to the guys that did it it's uh, hard enough with a, a solar car i could imagine with the plane it'd be even more uh, scary but uh, yeah they did an amazing job but yeah it is a bit like that
1: yeah yeah, well at least at least you guys are on the ground. Um we actually did do an interview with one of those guys there who's now into electric planes and um and looking at the possibilities there. So um check out our past catalogue of driven podcasts. Jed, back to you. So um driving across the finishing line, um were you guys first across the line or second or third?
0: Yeah, so we actually took line honors in the cruiser class. Um I I think we might have been seventh overall, Matt might be able to um, confirm, but yeah, we, we did come first uh, in our class, which was pretty exhilarating.
1: That was pretty exciting, yeah. it's big, And, and was there a big crowd welcome, um, waiting for you there?
0: Yeah, so there's actually two finish lines to the race. There's one in the outskirts of Adelaide, um, which is the timed finish, um, and you, you do that with just the car going through that finish line, and they take your time, and um, that's really where it's all over from a driving perspective. Um, and then the, the rest of the team actually gets bused to the uh, sort of photo finish line where all the crowds are. Um, and then they drive you there with a couple of support vehicles, which means that when you go through the photo finish, the um, whole team of 23 is there to greet you and they, they have a big um, arch and um, you go down like a, a ramp with a
1: red carpet. And uh, it's all very exciting. Oh, very good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but that's not the final um, judging, is it? Because it's not just um, first across the line. I think there's all sorts, particularly in the cruiser class, because they're looking at um, um, a whole bunch of other different categories. I can't remember quite whether it's aesthetics, but it's about comfort and inside the car. Can you go through some of the categories and, and how you guys did there?
0: Yeah. So um, I think it's 50, the scoring is 50-50 on your efficiency score, um, which is based on how much energy you use throughout the race. And then the other half is this practicality judging. Uh, And effectively you present your car to a panel of judges uh, and then they judge your car on a a series of categories. Um, I don't remember all of them, but um, a couple of them were uh, like practicality, um, the desirability of the car and the aesthetics of the externals and internals. Um, So you do a three minute presentation and talk about some of the benefits of your car for those categories. And then all the judges come and get up and they walk around and they go and sit in your car and um, you know, look at how much leg room you have and how much boot space there is and how comfortable your car is to sit in.
1: Mm. Just what, what have you learnt then from this experience, Jim?
0: Uh, I've, I've developed a wealth of skills um, from uh, you know, the whole experience. There's been, over the past year, uh, working with the team, there's been um, a series of um, practical and engineering skills that I've learned. Um, there's been some really good logistical skills that I've learned from actually doing the race. Uh, and then um, yeah, watching watching Matt, I've learnt, I feel, I'd like to think that I've picked up some um, good leadership things as well. So it's definitely been a, a really positive learning experience for me.
1: And Matthew, apart from um, managing 23 undergraduates, what have you learned, and maybe more specifically about the technology?
2: Um, I think the key thing I learned from Sunswish was uh, that failure is okay. Um, I know it's something that's often said a lot, but uh, in 2017, we also raced pilot. Unfortunately, we didn't finish. Our suspension collapsed just north of Tennant Creek, and we had to pull out of the race. Um, I was on the team at that time, and it was pretty sad to see a car that you'd worked on for two years. Um, basically have to pull out Um, and uh, between then and now we did a lot of improvements on the car and this year we, as Jed said, we got line honours and came second overall in the cruiser class and did really, really well with the exact same car. Um, And it was because, you know, we accepted our failures, look at what went wrong and tried to improve on it. And, you know, when you're at the cutting edge of engineering, um, you know, stuff will go wrong and stuff will break and it's about how you react to that and fix it. and I think that was a really key skill I learned. Um, and uh, yeah. So, so,
1: where does this take us? Um, this technology. Um, we've 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 heard a few. Um, we've had a few stories about solar cars um, in Europe. You know, which had you know incremental amounts of um, kilometres to um, to range. What do you think the big learnings out of this car is? Is it that the fact that we can actually sort of drive with, um, with solar or is it about efficiencies gained um, in other technologies, you know, be it um, battery management and aerodynamics or is it a bit of all of the above?
2: A bit of all of the above, but definitely biased towards efficiency. I think at the end of the day, in terms of pure economic sense, it doesn't really make sense to put solar panels on cars. The the surface area just isn't there for the amount of power you get out. Um, what would be better is to have uh, charging stations um, more re- at more regular intervals that use renewable energy to charge electric cars. Um, and uh, I think what we can take away from solar cars is just the raw efficiency that they give and taking some of that technology and putting it into today's mm-hmm. electric cars to basically just reduce the amount of overall energy ju- that the transport system needs, really. Um, I guess that's my mm. most realistic and pragmatic view. I think I think uh, solar cars will serve to be the uh, the Formula One equivalent of electric cars. Um, sort of. You probably won't see a solar car driving down your your street anytime soon. Um, but the technologies that they use, you might see in everyday cars.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting perspective. Um, Jed, um, first year student, um, I don't know whether you own your own car yet, but um, do you dream of um, electric cars coming down in price enough to to be able to drive one of those and um, do as Matt suggests, sort of, you know, top it up with renewable energy at um, terms sort of charging stations sort of scattered about the place?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, de- being able to drive across Australia in an electric car uh, that would be a pretty sensational um And that's possibly a long term goal, but more closer to the current times, being able to drive around town in affordable electric cars. I think that's probably one of the really big steps that we need to make in terms of reducing
1: our carbon emissions. Absolutely, and Jed, what Jed's what next to what? Sorry, what's next for you? Um, you're a first year student, I suppose. Um, second year comes next, and um, maybe another crack with Violet. Um, or I suppose Violet's not coming back for another two years. What, what's the plan there?
0: Yeah, so um, at the end of this year, the next team will be elected, um, and then that team will um, begin to lay out plans for the next car, um, and in half a year's time, we'll get the regulations for the 2021 World Solar Challenge, and when we get those regulations, um, the, the design challenge will really begin, and we'll have a year and a half to design and, and build the next car.
1: Hmm. And will it be a new one, or will it be just an updated Viet?
0: Uh No, it'll be a completely new car
1: well that's going to be very exciting um matthew um you're a final year student um i guess you won't be back for the next edition of um the world Solar challenge so uh, what's next up for you
2: um yeah so that's correct i, I probably won't be around for the next World solar challenge i'll help out the team as much as i can from the sidelines um but uh probably the next i've just recently got a an internship offer from tesla so i might be go, going over to california with them for a bit and see if i can uh help out in that department, um, which will be exciting. And uh, I'm currently working in the renewable energy industry, actually in solar, solar energy. So um, it's sort of those two sectors are sort of what I'm interested in. And they're sort of the, the jobs I'm looking at at the moment. But yeah, exciting times ahead. Um,
1: well, it sounds like you found the perfect company to work for. Um, so congratulations on that. And um, thank you very much um, for you both for um, joining um, the, uh, the Driven podcast today. Uh, thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thank
1: you for having us. And that was uh, Jed Crookshank and uh, Matthew Holohan from the University of New South Wales SunSwift team. Um, thank you very much to the sponsors, SolarEdge, for sponsoring this podcast. And um, we'll be back with another episode next week. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by SolarEdge. SolarEdge EV
0: chargers combine solar energy and grid power to charge your electric vehicle up to four times faster than a standard wall charger. Whether you own an EV now or want to be EV ready, future-proof your home with SolarEdge. Visit solaredge.com AUS and drive your solar further.